Welcome to Episode 7 of Once Upon a Lifetime. Welcome back for Episode 2 of Eunice Kennedy Shriver. If you haven't listened to our first episode, we do suggest you go back and listen to that. It dealt with her early childhood and a lot of the dynamics that are at play in the complicated lives of the Kennedys. Coming up, we're going to see how the Kennedys deal with the Great Depression. We will look at the early education of Eunice. And this episode will wind up about the beginning of World War II. But right now in the timeline, Eunice is seven years old. And it is one year before the Great Depression hits. In 1928, they buy the house at Hyannisport. And I really think when I was looking at pictures of Hyannisport, it looks so much like that house in Wedding Crashers. <laughs> where there, you know, that big yeah. lawn going down the to, lawn the, to the dock. Yeah, yeah, that's really what it looks like, except a little bit more oceany, you know. Well, Joe said that he bought that house because if you want your children to come home, buy a house by the sea. I say amen to that. Like, Joe gets that right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I would definitely come home to a beach house. Yeah. Yeah, and they end up all buying houses down there eventually. As they get older, you know, each each of them buys a house. But that's always the big house, the big Hyannisport house. Um, really, in Hyannisport is the only place where they would see Rose and Joe together under the same roof. They would all come together there periodically. In the summer, especially. Um, and I think, too, in Hyannisport, you see so much of their family culture being developed. That's where their famous touch football games would get played and the sailing. All of this is happening, and it's because, you know, it's at Hyannisport. That's sort of their main family home in the, in the sense of culture, even though it's not their primary living place. So things are still going well for Joe, though. He's he's doing really well in business, and the Great Depression is going to be hitting. And you hear lots of stories of people, you know, jumping out of buildings and selling apples and getting really poor, and not Joe. Joe's pretty well connected, right? Yeah. So Joe, <laughs> I mean, insider training is not illegal. So he, you know... <laughs> He gets the tips. He gets tips. He makes all the kind of right choices based on this insider information. And so he actually makes a ton of money for himself and his investors during the Great Depression. Oh, my gosh. That explains the Kennedy wealth. It does. (laughs) Because he was already wealthy enough to say, I have a couple very rich. But if when everybody else is getting poor, you have the magic, you know, golden ticket. That's that's big. (laughs) It is. It's. He just makes an enormous amount of money at that point. Um, and this is when Rose, Rose, Mama Rose, starts going abroad. She's gone 17 different times between the time Eunice is 8 to 15. And often for months at a time. She's just, she misses Joe Jr.'s confirmation, kicks first communion, and Eunice's debutante season. Just because she's... Doing other things. And one thing I was just like, my mind was kind of boggling at, like, Eunice switches school six times and is also tutored at home for long stretches before the end of high school. So her whole childhood, she you've got to think of her as 
bopping around all these different places. I mean, if her mom went to go, they had a Palm Beach house as well as the Hyannis Port house, as well as the New York house. So at Christmas, they would go down to Palm Beach and be there for the holidays. Well, sometimes, not every year, but some years, Rose would decide to stay in Palm Beach for the whole winter season, which meant that she would have all of the kids who weren't in boarding school with her and she would just enroll them in the local public school for several months and then go back and then go back to their private school in the ritzy new york house it would be so hard as a kid well like i mean yeah so much inconsistency and and that is accredited for one of the reasons they were so clannish Mm. you know all they really had was like each other right like i think it really it intensifies those bonds because that is their hyannis port and themselves those are the constants Wow. So, yeah. yeah. So when she's 12 years old in 1933, Rose Marie has been sent away. They have mm-hmm. really exhausted. So Kit goes to boarding school. The year before that, though, Rose, Rosie also went to boarding school. They'd really exhausted. They have already tried all of the local schools. They've tried the public schools and the private schools. They've tried private tutors at home and pretty much they're not getting the results they want. Now, I think what they want probably was never going to happen. But they kept looking for solutions. They kept looking for, okay, we're going to find the cure. We'll find the thing that actually fixes this problem, which is partly just a like money can't buy everything. It simply cannot fix this problem. And partly really at this point in history, medicine is doing amazing things. So they kind of think with the right educational method or with the right doctors and set of pills, we're going to fix Rosemary's disability and she will be just like all the other children. Like people outside of their family circle really didn't know that anything was wrong. Because if you were to look, just looking at Rosemary, you, you, you would have no indication that she had any disability or anything at all. She just, but her intellectual ability, it leveled out at about fourth grade level. So Rose, at some point, she thinks, well, I just want Rosemary to be able to pass in society. I want her to have, um, she says, I always thought if she had a veneer of information, such as the names of presidents, the mayor, important cities, a little history and geography. And if she was attractive and well-groomed and well-mannered, she'd be able to get by. Do they have a diagnosis for her now? Like what, it's not autism, like it's just... No, No, not really. But they think, I I think the most likely scenario is that that lack of oxygen just gave her... Just a birth injury. Right. I don't think that they really knew. Right. Rosemary's story, I think, is the story of a family feeling like they have limitless resources to throw at a problem and they will fix it combined with this sort of lack of knowledge about what they're actually trying to fix. Yes. <laughs> anyway, at this point, Eunice is tutored at home over the winter because she can't keep up enough weight and she's sickly and has no energy. So the next few years, she's basically in and out of the Sacred Heart Convent School on Long Island, and which she loves a lot. She just loves this school. But it's funny because Kick feels like it's just a slight step up from prison. But Eunice is just like, this is great. And this is where we really begin to see Eunice is a very serious and pious child. And she loves it. But she's so she's so ill all the time 
puny uni that she's just in and out and it's just making for this very disjointed education and I think she always felt that there were big gaps in her knowledge she knew she just knew I've missed things there are things I've missed um, when she's 16 in 1938 they moved to London for Joe's appointment as ambassador to England and I love the pictures if you can google the kennedys in london i mean the pictures are just great they were such a hit over there people loved them and it's just this whole crew of people at this point all nine kids are born they're all alive they're all beautiful and happy they're like american royalty one of their friends said they looked and were so american all had smiles that never ended with such perfect teeth each of them could have advertised toothpaste (laughs) I'm sure that Rose patted herself on the back because they all had their orthodontics done early. (laughs) They did. Yep. So they were an absolute spectacle in England. And the children were so vivacious and unhampered compared to the British kids. Um, They were tremendously popular. So Eunice is, again, in this weird situation of being too young by a year to be included in debutante season with kick and rosemary so she ends up going to the convent school with the same order of nuns as the ones in long island and she loves it cold showers a cubicle divided by sheets early rising daily prayers and study she's just like this is it this is what she loves oh yeah they they even have like a a card system in place to reward behavior and everything like different color coded and she's like oh just like oh cards that sounds familiar (laughs) right right (laughs) you know and they they play sports like at home so field hockey now the other girls are thinking this kennedy girl's really loud and I think it's got to be compounded like the American loudness plus overlay that with a Kennedy loudness. And you just you must have had one loud field hockey player. It's very true. She had to like rein it in all the time they were living in England. Like she'd go to a horse race and she'd be like, why? Like no one would be yelling. They'd all just be like, "Ooh, isn't it lovely? And she's like, yeah, no one no one hollers like we do in the U.S. <laughs> um, yeah. So she's at Roehampton is the name of the school or the place where the school is. One of the classmates says, the Kennedy girls looked like birds of paradise, bringing a glamour and worldliness that contrasted with the attitude of the dour daughters of displaced European aristocrats and English girls and tweeds. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> it is. It's funny. But Eunice was actually really better known for her piety. She wasn't so glitzy as the rest of her sisters. She wasn't glitzy at all. She was actually very different I think. yeah she just Plain. did not care no she just yeah. did not she was sloppy even she was yeah. really not concerned with outward appearance at all so probably that was referring to Jean and pat but um eunice was known for her piety sister bell said that eunice's prayerfulness was way beyond even the usual prayerfulness of a convent school student a classmate of hers that later did become a nun said, I was more sure of her vocation to be a nun than I was of my own back then. She was known to be to spend lots of time in the chapel, lying face down on the floor with her arms out like a cross. And even Joe says at this point, Eunice is going wild with anticipation as, as it, it becomes nearer to the time to receive her child of Mary medal. So this was a special devotion 
that Rose had actually participated in as a young Catholic woman herself. And Rose described the ceremony as the most mystic, most beautiful, and most inspiring ceremony of the school year. A select group of girls who were being inducted into the Child of Mary Sodality all dressed up in white and carried white lilies. So from that day forward, for the rest of her life, Eunice would write E.DE.M for Enfant de Marie next to her signature on all of her personal correspondence. So for the rest of her life, this is this big part of her identity is as a child of Mary. She and the other Kennedy girls had special permission to travel back and forth from the ambassadorial house each weekend, which was very unusual at a convent school. You would not normally be allowed to do that. But her dad really wanted all the kids to be exposed to as much of this traveling and famous people and just the life as possible. During this time, the older boys were getting exposure to people in situations that would further their anticipated political careers. And the girls... We're sitting in convent school sewing. Well, that except on the weekends when they were like in the most rarefied of social circles. You know, they're literally hanging out with royalty. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, Kick was at the very tippity toppity of her debutante class. She was just so, 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 so super popular. Everyone thought she was amazing. And she was pretty much in love with Billy Cavendish, who is the eldest son of the Duke and Duchess of Devonshire, which is Chats, the seat of the, one of the houses is Chatsworth. It's just one of the most famous houses. It's the one that Jane Austen bases Pemberley on in her book. So this is a hugely influential, rich oh, sure. yeah. English so family, he's, however, he's very Protestant. Yeah, he's a catch, but he's a big, like a capital P Protestant. Wow. Right. So that's that's not going to work, right? Not, not well. Not for Rose and Joe, no. Right. So that's their, their kind of life in England is very happy. Very, They're very... People love the Kennedy family. Joe, however, is a strong isolationist and does not want to help England in the war with Germany, thinks that the Germans are going to win. He's very down on the English chances of survival. So he's he, as an ambassador, is not popular, but his family is popular kind of in social circles. Um, when she's 18 in 1939, she does have her debutante year, and this is the last debutante year before the war. And so she almost kind of doesn't make it in. She just kind of slides in right under the wire. It seems that she was kind of vacillating between excitement and boredom, nervousness, you know. It's not really her thing, but she, it's, it's, it's somewhat fun. Yeah, you know, she, she has a great party. She, they dance in like big old conga lines and, you know, last until 4 4 (laughs) a.m. Rose has to like put the kibosh on it eventually. Right, yeah, yep. Um, they traveled all over that year. They just went everywhere. I mean, they really, really did take advantage of this opportunity as a family. Um, the biggest and most impressive for all of them was their attendance at the installation of Pope Pius the Twelfth in March of nineteen thirty-nine. Yeah. So, so you know, Pope. 
possibly old family friend. No, no big deal. You know, he's he's visited the house before, which Rose will tell you because she's roped off the sofa that he sat on. It's kind of cordoned off. Wow. With like red velvet rope. That's awesome. That's so like sit on the Pope side, couch. Like Pope sat here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly great. that. <laughs> yep. Yep. So Eunice is literally, she's in seventh heaven. This is the most amazing experience of her life. Did she ask to weigh him? <laughs> Did Rose weigh the Pope? <laughs> she I can probably. See that. What do you weigh? I have a card file. I feel like Rose could be one of those people that could look at you and just know how much you weigh. Like the, the weight guesser at the <laughs> yeah, circus? Yeah, I bet you. You know what? She weighed the same all her adult life. She had the, the same dress size all of her adult life, Rose After did. After nine kids. After nine kids. This is why she's obsessed. I think yeah. we just solved the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been wondering, like, why do you care that much about a pound here? But it's because right. when you're living that kind of Gumby lifestyle... Mm-hmm. You know, you you do get obsessed about that kind of thing, I suppose. I suppose that was her thing. That yeah. was her thing. So, and so Eunice is just thrilled to to be at the installation to meet the Pope, and and I think she would have loved to have been a nun herself. Like sometimes I think that that stage of her life, she would have liked to have had a vocation. But I feel like Joe may have kind of quietly smoothed that down, said there, there, no, because you would not want to have a sister of the president being an actual sister couldn't have a nun in in the family you know the places that he was he was going so i think that was maybe as close as she was going to get that time in her life to really like live that discipline ordered religious life yeah but, um when they go to see the pope installed joe has gotten permission to attend the coronation but apparently, I I don't know, no one really knows if he did this on purpose or accidentally, but he did not say that they were all coming. So there was only two seats for him and Rose. And what he did was bring his nine children, plus the Moors, plus the governess. Oh, no. So they all show up and there's just whole like Italians <laughs> waving their arms and yelling and him just being like, well, here we are. What you gonna do about it? <laughs> So they moved, I think, the Belgium delegation, or like they moved some people over and made room oh, for them. Those poor Belgians had the worst. <laughs> they did. I just think it's so funny that he's like, well, we're Sorry. all here. I yeah, mean, what are just... we going to do now? Turn around and go home? Right. And Eunice wrote afterwards, on bended knee, I grasped his outstretched hand, which combined the grace of a debutante, the strength of a ruler, and the gentleness of a child. Suddenly, joy and peace radiating from this man took possession of my being, and as I looked into the intelligent and sympathetic eyes which screened a floorless inner beauty, my thoughts turned to the Savior. For if kneeling before this human man can give me such a feeling of sublime peace and Christian love, what then when I kneel before Christ? Yes, I want to die. <laughs> oh, she, my word. It That's is a, some experience. It is. Yeah. It's a very powerful experience, yes. Um, also that year, the king and queen dined at the ambassadorial house. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, just because Yeah. Eunice said it was wonderful, even though she was seated at the children's table. Oh, no. Of course. Poor dear. She was also left at home with the younger (gasps) children the day that Joe, Jack and Kick went to Parliament to hear Neville Chamberlain declare war on Germany. 
So mm-hmm. after that, that was the end of the Kennedys, the Kennedy family in, in England. Um, they actually all split up to go home on separate ships just in case it got torpedoed. Wow. And ja- Joe stayed behind and Rosemary stayed behind because she had actually really found this is the happiest phase of her life. This is mm-hmm. Rose has re- Rosie has really found a good place. And it's because the nuns there at the convent school that she's been enrolled in, which is different than the one Eunice was in, um, actually worked with Maria Montessori and learned the Montessori method, oh. which is very much kind of work at your own pace, choose the things you're good at. And what it did for, and have, there's plenty of, there's no like driving people to accomplish things. No, it's and there's the certainly opposite. not the adage of yes. don't be a loser. Right. Yeah, it really yeah. built up her... Self-confidence, probably. It did, yeah. it did. And she was able to even read to the younger children and kind of have sort of a role as sort of a teacher's assistant more because you can learn how to do these Montessori works mm-hmm. so so well. She even Even with her disability, she could learn how to do those and then help the younger children. So she really had found such peace and she was so happy there. And the nuns were so happy with her. It's the first time, because one thing we didn't mention is that Rosemary keeps getting basically kicked out of these of these different schools, these different boarding schools, usually because Rose and Joe are not 100% upfront with the school about her real needs. I think because they're trying to do what's best for her. They're trying to make her they're trying to advocate for her in a system that does not accommodate there's no accommodations for her so they just try to get her into the school and then sort of deal with it like let people figure out how bad things are once she's there but that keeps making these headmasters and these teachers and tutors kind of frustrated as you would imagine like wait a minute you didn't tell me the whole story like i knew she had some issues but she also has these huge rages and temper tantrums and she's large you know she's 23 at this point well and i'm not even kidding but then rose's response is to write to them and say something to the effect of yes but how much does she weigh like yeah yeah, they she with eunice eunice was too thin she was concerned that rosemary might be putting on too much weight and so it, it was she was very concerned with that. I'm sure she was concerned with all of the other stuff. And she was like, yes, well, that's all true. But, you know, right. back, back to the other other issue. So Rosemary actually stays in England with her dad for a while. And not with her dad, but at the school. And they say publicly in interviews, um, Eddie Moore actually writes a letter as Rosemary, as if he is Rosemary, and says... Oh, I'm having, you know, I've earned my teacher certificate and I'm here teaching these children at the school and I'm going to stay in England to keep house for my dad. I think that this is, I've always been a very serious person and so I want to stay and help with the war effort. What? Yeah, yeah. it's just a total fabrication. Yeah. Utter mean, fabrication. Total PR move that on Joe's part. is awful. Oh, and that's very typical. I should yeah. probably say that. There's all sorts of smoke so and mirrors. they're not just like, they're not just keeping the secret they're like blatantly misrepresenting who she is yes yes okay big difference (laughs) yes wow yeah because it's not just we're pretending and we're not saying anything they're literally saying 
falsehoods. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. There. Yep. yep. Wow. You okay. are right. That's... Because for the longest time, they felt that like in time, Rosemary was going to catch up to the truth that they invented for her. Right. So. But they, and so they perpetuated the truth they'd invented for her before right. she actually reached it. it. It's like a. It's not a lie. It's a placeholder truth. Yeah. She'll get there in, in one the day. Kennedy mental gymnastics in a way like they wanted it to be true. Right. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's there I I don't know how much of that is also trying to protect her though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's trying to protect them, but like I said, they're already ahead of their time in trying to get her real help and right. a real education. It's right. not as if they could they it would be much easier for them to stick her in a home and never talk about her. So the fact that they they are trying to include her in absolutely everything. She has a debutante year. Wow. You know, she yeah. meets the queen. She actually yes. like stumbles on the stairs to meet the queen, which is embarrassing. But <laughs> I mean, the, they took that risk though. It right. could have been worse. <laughs> it's so weird because the, on the one hand, it's this like duality that you were talking about at the beginning that like mm-hmm. on the one hand they're trying to do this really noble and right thing and on the other hand they're like erasing it all with just like total yeah. denial and falsehood yeah like, we can see your daughter she's That's, not teaching in that a school. is the theme yeah it's it, yeah. it is a confusing family and mm-hmm. you know i there are some things i really do admire about them and then other things that are just absolutely Puzzling. incongruous yeah. you know you're like the like i don't know how to make sense of that but um they get home and it's a transition i mean it is a difficult transition to be from you know ambassadors in england to just being back at home and they feel the kids especially feel this real strong disconnect between the reality that their english friends are in which is going to war you know they're all going to war they're starting rationing like war is happening in england where they were they just were there and then they come home to this insulated social circle this very fancy life that they have in the u.s and it's just this strange transition difficult transition for them um eunice has graduated from high school and so she now is enrolled in manhattanville sacred heart college it's another convent school but this time it's a college and it's kind of the next logical step for her education. Her mother was an alumnus. And she loves it. She just loves these nuns, you know. Same nuns, new school. And it is at the Manhattanville School where she really encounters her transformation moment. When Rose had gone to Manhattanville, it had been a finishing school. But since then... The nuns have really taken on social justice work as their main thrust for the girls' education. And so it's her first time. It's Eunice's first time being in touch with people who are in need. She's regularly sent out volunteering with 60 other Manhattanville students who are working in medical clinics or nurseries or teaching classes to immigrants at various settlement houses around New York. Now, at at this time... Eunice's weight is still a problem. Rose is on that. Don't worry. She's 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 monitoring this. But Eunice is in the hospital again, and she's diagnosed with Addison's disease at this time. That's when they kind of put a name on what might be her problem. 
basically, this is a disorder where your body's just not producing enough of certain hormones in your adrenal glands. So you're producing too little cortisol and um, it it can be life-threatening. So treatment, she has to take hormones to replace the insufficient amounts. And basically, she's going to, for the rest of her life, be given, you know, another cocktail of medications and supplements and so on to kind of help her body kind of regulate itself because it just can't. That's why she just cannot keep on any weight at all. So she has this, Jack has this as well. And it's just, it's just a, a, family thing. It's something that they really had to learn to live with. Yeah, they both they both were in and out of hospitals and had m- multiple undis- like unclear operations. They were just operations, but no one really knows what was happening to them. Mm-hmm. Um so as soon as the London Blitz is about to happen, Joe sends Rosemary home because that's going to be too dangerous, which it is. Right. Um but this is just sad because she'd been so very happy with the nuns. And then she immediately jumps into the Hyannisport summer Kennedy life. And it's just so chaotic. It's so loud. It's riotous. The pace is so fast. And she just starts devolving. And she becomes more and more violent, really, in her reactions to things. There's a regression of all of the mental skills she'd kind of been working on. You know, she's she is 22 at this point and big and really strong. Kennedys are strong people and she's really strong and she's breaking things and throwing things and hitting people. Right. This is a time when Rose finally starts to realize that it's not just like intellectual delays, but there's probably some element of mental illness here, too, that Rose just cannot rosemary just cannot regulate herself at all so they find a school for her in dc it was saint gertrude's school of arts and crafts which was basically a school for um girls with developmental delays and kind of grade school age and so the idea was they wanted to replicate what she had been having in england and she was going to be assisting the sisters there but there is a problem Rosemary's really unhappy and she starts to leave her rooms at night and wander in in the road and around the building and in the neighborhood or whatever. She just wanders out at night, which to Rose and Joe, understandably, they're really terrified. She's a gorgeous, young, unescorted lady with the intellectual ability of a fourth grader wandering around alone at night. It's just it's very scary yes and at this the same time this is happening in dc this new fancy surgery of lobotomy is just all the rage it's the thing that joe fixates on as a possible solution to these rages and to this desperate unhappiness which leads to this wandering right there's an article in the saturday evening post in may that is extolling the promise of the new surgery to alleviate the emotional pain of people who have mental issues. So in his mind, he's like, great, I will go to the people doing these lobotomies. I will find out what this is and and if it can help Rosemary. So he actually first asks Kick to do the research. He says, can you please go and talk to some doctors about this? And she comes back and she says, we don't want that for our Rosie. 
there's too many risks. There's things, too many doctors say it's not really great for them. Um, we don't know enough about it yet. No, we don't want to do it. Rose says, no, no lobotomy. That's, I'm not interested in that kind of surgery. Rose is really looking at the educational aspects, avenues, and Joe is always looking at the medical avenues. So he's trying to, they're both trying to fix the problem, but they have really different approaches. And so depending on who's in town and who's kind of in charge, like parent in charge, the focus changes. And so this fall, August of 1941, Joe is in charge. And so he's looking into these lobotomies. Do you want to talk about what a lobotomy is? I I guess what they're doing is they're performing actual surgery on your brain to sever whatever connections that are... think are causing this. Right. But the tool that the surgeon is using is basically, it's almost like a butter knife. Like, it's not a very precise, elegant surgery in these very rudimentary elementary stages. So... While this is happening, Rosemary is awake. I don't know how they manage the anesthesia, but she's it conscious. Was just, um, is it like a block or like something? A, like um, Novocaine. Novocaine? Oh, what? mercy. Okay, so she's awake, and they're telling her as they're operating on her brain, they're like, okay, you know, say your ABCs, say the Lord's Prayer. And so she's talking. And singing little songs. And so they're like, oh, well, she's still doing... So they cut, cut, cut. Okay, say this. And so they keep going until she stops, until she can't, until it's just gibberish. They just... I don't know how they determine, like, okay, you know, we got the angry bit out. How do you... How do you... But we also got out the her ability well, to as, sing the ABCs. And, as soon as right. she starts talking nonsense and then stops talking altogether they know they've cut too far but every late everyone in the room knows that it's gone too far and it's just kind of silence in fact it's so upsetting to the nurse who's on who is the assistant in the surgery that she quits nursing she just never nurses you know she's never a nurse again Yeah, so it's it's almost like she's medically failed twice in an epic, epic way. And I think the saddest thing about Rosemary, she's always surrounded by good intentions, but she's like the victim. The victim of, of the poor right. choices within the good intentions. Right. You know? Yeah. So Joe doesn't know what to do, so he decides to hide this. No one can find out that this has happened. So as the head of the family, he says, as far as we can tell, it's very murky, this whole timeline to follow in Rosemary's life. But essentially, it, it goes to... Well, for like two or three years, she's at Craig, Ho- Craig House, which is um, sort of a rehabilitation house mm-hmm. in north, north of New York. Yeah. But he says to the family, oh, well, the doctors have said visits to her she does better when the family's not visiting which is a kind of believable scenario given her they know how well she was doing in england with those sisters and the outbursts and and then when she came home everything started devolving so it's kind of like well that makes sense okay right sad eunice especially is like that's you know she's really close to rosemary she's really close to her so she's really sad about it but it's understandable and whatever's best for her. So he just says no visits. And nobody wants to be disruptive. Right. And nobody wants to question Joe. Right. I mean, I don't know if it would occur to them to question him about it. And I don't know that they could imagine if they don't know she's having the surgery. Like how, 
how they how would you know there's no, just you wouldn't it it was really enormous and so i yeah so she's there difficult. for 2 years then the um he talks to cardinal cushing who says why don't you move her there's an order of nuns the sis- little sisters of saint francis they have a saint coletta's is a house in wisconsin nobody knows you out there nobody knows her there's going to be no no one will find out your secret. It won't kind of leak out if you put her over here and she'll get good care. So he builds her a beautiful little house on the grounds of St. Coletta's. And she's there for the rest of her life. So like 50 years? Yeah, she dies something. when she's 80 something. And she had the surgery when she was 23. Wow. But there is a long span of time that nobody in the family knows where she is. Nobody knows what has happened to her. They All they've been told is the doctors have advised, don't see her, and so they don't. And also in their own lives, it, it's wartime. And we have Joe Jr., he's off in Europe. He's, he's piloting airplanes, going on bomber missions. We have Jack is captaining a PT-109. He's in the Pacific. Kick is, you know, in love with Billy Cavendish, Protestant, and... She goes off and joins the war effort, right? She she does Red Cross work, so she goes back to England, and so like everybody's distracted by other things. right, and right. Eunice is going off to college, and then the little ones below, they're just they're clueless anyhow. They're they're little kids, so no one really is in a place in their lives where they're all going to sit down collectively and say what exactly is going on. Right. They're just kind of content to think that that she's in that rosemary is in a good place right now and we are going to leave that episode right there don't forget to join us next time we'll be diving right into eunice kennedy's romantic life the beginnings of the kennedy political machine and of course one or two more kennedy family tragedies if you've enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on itunes And don't forget to visit our website, onceuponalifetimepodcast.com.